0: Ready for another episode of Wanderings and Wool Gathering? Good, here's Foggy. Welcome to Wanderings and Wool Gathering. Episode... (laughs) Paul... Sorry folks, Paul just disappeared.
1: He counted himself out. This handsome (laughs)
0: lug just appeared. (laughs) Anyway, we shall continue with episode 69. Proudly hosted by North Central Indiana's Rock 98.5. Tonight, we step back in time 30 years. The year was 1990. 1990 saw the reunification of Germany, launching of the Hubble Space Telescope, and the launching of the World Wide Web. George H.W. Bush was president, and the Persian Gulf crisis began, dominated the headlines the entire year. McDonald's moved into Russia and taught them how to smile. Nelson Mandela was released from prison. Driving Miss Daisy won Best Picture, and the San Francisco 49ers won the Super Bowl. And J.K. Rowling began writing Harry Potter, and yours truly was a freshman at IU. Musically that year, 1990 was a juggernaut. We had releases from Pantera, Danzig, Black Sabbath, Testament, Iggy Pop, Suicidal Tendencies, ACDC, Prong, Iron Maiden, Mother Love Bones, Sonic Youth, Public Enemy, Megadeth, among so many others and tonight we're revisiting three albums that came out on august 21st 1990 and these albums came from jane's addiction anthrax and alice in chains can't wait to dig in i'm your host foggy and helping me welcome our special guests are jpp and jpp has disappeared again so we'll go to metalhead monday
2: Metalhead Monday. Hey, what's going on? And tea bags.
3: Swinging deep into the valleys of Liptonia. That's nasty. Able to plunge from high altitudes, only to land with a gentle splat. That's nasty. Receiving only the finest education from his instructor Earl
1: Gray. It's it's tea bags too hot for TV. Hey. There were a few other bands uh, like Tool and Nine Inch Nails that might have been in the '90s too. Just throwing that out there.
0: Nope, they didn't have anything in 1990.
1: Yeah, sure, that was a down year for them. <laughs>
0: <laughs> no, the list was so long for albums that were released in 1990, and from so many good bands, the, it would have just gone on forever. So I just mm-hmm. threw out some that we uh we all like and have talked about on the show. And there he has returned. JPP
1: Hello. is back. How are you? <laughs> <laughs> he is back
4: Greetings, yeah. there we go I, I ran into a quick lag So I was trying to switch my Wi-Fi services on the fly While you guys were talking And it looks like crises averted
1: You hey. subscribed to somebody else that fast? Wow Yeah,
4: Yeah, I did, yeah It's amazing <laughs>
0: The on hold time was impeccable. That's all right. I mistakenly said that you were going to help us welcome special guests because we've had so many recently, and we have no special guests tonight. And in fact, we're down one member. So
3: yeah, I habit, lied
0: that's, terribly. That's okay. We're all special.
3: Yeah.
0: <laughs> true, true. Yeah, 1990, man. What a year.
4: Yeah, I'm feeling it too. Today's been quite humbling in that regard. I'm, I'm. You know how old I am. I'm this much old. This is a cassette deck that I ordered online that has a little uh, USB port so I can play a tape, convert nice. it to MP3 on the fly, and then upload it to my computer so I don't have to worry about running it through studio software. I can just kind of have it and listen and record, you know, in my in my pocket, basically, so I don't have to be stuck at my computer waiting on tapes to end. Nice. I need and, one of those. Yeah. Well, I'll send you a link. It's got it, a
2: closet full of tapes. Yeah,
4: I found, I found several. And sadly enough, in the stash, many good ones have deteriorated. A lot of the tapes look like they've shed and, and they've changed color. It's not the nice brown oxide that it used to be. And mm-hmm. I'm not going to risk damaging my equipment to try to play it. But thankfully, majority yeah. of them, I already have them converted digitally anyway. So, And there's always those streaming services, right? Oh, yeah. <laughs> but the art of that tape warp from wearing it out is, is lost.
2: Well, speaking of uh, the era of cassettes, so these three albums, I was, I I just, I happen to see, of course, you know, I follow Anthrax pretty closely, and I saw that the August 21st, 1990, was the 30th anniversary, I was like, oh, sweet, cool, and I knew they were getting ready to put out like a huge 30th anniversary package for that album. And then later that day I saw, oh, Allison Chain's facelift. Whoa, that came out on the same day. Holy crap, that's cool. And then later that day I was like, holy crap, Ritual De La Habitual came out on the same day. Like, that's insane for three <laughs> albums that were that huge to come out all on the same day. Well, think oh, yeah.
0: about, you know, the album or the people that I listed, and there were so many more all coming out in nineteen ninety. You couldn't stream music then. You had to go out and buy physical copies. Yeah, I know I gave a lot of plasma so that I could buy a lot of records and CDs back then. <laughs> so, I mean, it's astounding how much money we probably spent over the years on music back in the day. Mm. Oh, yeah.
2: oh, yeah. When you were running through that list, I was like, had it, had it, had it, had it, wanted it, mm-hmm. <laughs> missed it, <had> it. <laughs> okay, yep.
1: Yeah. And you'd actually like let friends borrow it. You know, you might get you might get anthrax, somebody else might get Allison Change. and then can I borrow mm-hmm. that for the weekend? <laughs> Make a copy, yeah, well, exactly. That Make a good a cassette. The cassette, yeah, dub it,
0: yeah, exactly. Yep. Yeah, um, and it was funny that. too because I looked at the uh, the three albums that we're doing tonight, and I believe going back to another challenge we had that I got all of those from Columbia House or BMG, <laughs> <in> <laughs> yeah, freshman right. year of
2: college. So
1: <laughs> I was reading today that. I didn't know this, but Columbia House closed in 2015. Wow. Yeah, I didn't really. Were did they
0: diversified? I mean, did they do other things? Um, I didn't. I haven't
1: read the full article. I think it was in GQ or something, but it was saying like, did you know that it, that Columbia House stayed open until 2015? I don't know what they were doing, but
4: I know they had a DVD club for a while. But oh, okay. I'm sure that you know, thanks to streaming services, there that that's kind of fall to the wayside as well.
1: Yeah, I just would have thought that. Yeah, I knew gone. the.
2: Yeah, I knew they were in video for quite a while, too, but yeah, I had no idea it went on that long.
1: <laughs> Probably a front for something.
2: <laughs> like a loss leader for something. Oh. Yeah, right.
0: Run by the mob. Oh, yes. man. Tony, you know about that. Well, not really. <laughs> not on the air. Oh, oh, sorry. I, sorry. I, I called out our resident Italian, so
1: <laughs> yeah. I, I really love the italian thing <laughs> me too like, like it's idly you know? yeah, got, italian dressings delicious is it a lowercase? <laughs> you have iron, to say it that
2: pea? way in
3: yeah
2: <laughs> yeah you have to say it that way here in indiana yeah <laughs> yeah. because <Yeah. we're... laughs>
3: oh, that
2: that's how you'd say it right if it's italian it's it Indian. is
1: right. <laughs> oh man we found jennifer uh my wife found we were at, we were at rural king today buying alfalfa pellets as you would you know and um, she found that I gotta find this picture, but she found this stuff called. See if you guys can see this. This is a literal product. Um,
3: Warship <laughs> <wash out. laughs>
1: Cater to your demographic, right? Yeah,
2: best best applied in the toilet. <laughs> well, yeah. now I, I can no longer say that there is no R in wash or Washington. <laughs> right apparently there there
1: is my
0: mother still says worse
4: as Uh, a graphic designer designer, that's gonna drive you mad
1: oh oh my gosh yeah (laughs) i love that
0: somebody's embraced it
1: i know did you see her run with it mike tyson has a drink called his the the lay there the brand for his drink is called dwink (laughs) i kid you not go to his website it's on there
0: That's masterful. If somebody can accept that and then run with it and make money. I love it.
1: Yeah, do it.
0: Amazing. (laughs) Uh, Dwink. I
1: just just want to talk about this stuff.
0: I don't even want to do a show tonight.
4: (laughs) I know. We're killing time because we don't have any Lester challenges week. So, um, you know,
2: crickets and all that good stuff. (laughs) Yeah. (laughs) I'm interested to see what Tony's got for us. Yeah, tea bags what do
1: you have? Well, if you want to jump into the challenge, I came up with a tic-tac-toe board. I don't know if you guys have pen and pencil. If not, it's not too terribly hard to... There you go. So just go ahead and make a tic-tac-toe board and then number it one, two, three across the top, four, five, six in the middle.
4: Hold on, I got to boot up Windows 95 here.
1: (laughs) Nice. (laughs) Okay. The board should look a little bit like Minesweeper, Paul.
2: You said one, two, three across the top.
1: Yep. Four, five, six across the middle, seven, eight, nine across the bottom. So we'll yep. see how this goes with three. I initially had it where it was going to be Joe and Steve versus Paul and Jeremy. Um, just to make it easy, I don't, I've never seen three people play tic-tac-toe. But we'll
2: see how this goes. If and nothing else, we'll another, get the most right. There's a, another podcast I listen to where some of they play games, and one of the games they play, you have to buzz in with your name. <laughs>
1: Oh, really? Yeah. <laughs> you have to say your name?
2: Yeah. <laughs> Jeremy. Be like, Jerry.
0: <laughs> that's beautiful. That is incorrect.
1: It's metalhead. <laughs> yeah.
0: Ooh, um, that's um, too much.
1: So I don't know how we're going to do the buzz in here. I guess just make whatever noise you want. <laughs> um,
0: are there nine questions?
1: There are nine questions.
0: How about we just all... Oh, yeah, we can't because that's me. All right, let's do your thing.
1: Okay. Well... I'm just gonna uh, randomly pick here. Okay, I don't know. Who, who, does it, anybody care who starts? Nope. No. All right. Uh, Foggy, since you're the first one on my screen down here, go ahead. Pick a number on let's the board. Let's do
0: number. Uh, let's see. We'll start with my lacrosse number for my number six. Let's do this.
1: Number six. Okay. And just to uh, preface this whole thing, it's just basics ninety trivia. And since we're gonna talk about music a lot, this kind of goes all over the board. Okay. Number six. Nintendo came out with which handheld game that was released in the United States in
2: 1990?
1: Me, the Game Boy. Yep, there we go. It was the Game Boy.
0: A... Uh, where are we even playing? Can we just give him the crown and move on and talk
1: about the records? Yeah. <laughs> oh, it jumps <laughs> It jumps all over the place.
0: I was going to answer Game Boy, but
4: it sounded like you said game, not game system, so I was like, hmm. I know, I was thinking it Super Mario. <laughs> you know, like it did
1: say, It did say game in the question, so. Right. Cool. Yeah. You know, Wish some I still thing had Game
2: Boy.
1: Oh, yeah, me too. All right, Jeremy. So the board's yours.
2: Uh, um, I might as well go for five.
1: Okay, five. This, and you can buzz in at any time. I don't have to finish. What song and artist is this? Is this the opening line for? As I walked through the valley of the shadow of death, I took a look at my life and realized there ain't nothing left.
2: First
3: person to I mean,
0: say
2: God. Nope,
1: nope. <laughs> I think Jeremy was first. That's I, uh,
2: Coolio Gangsta's Paradise.
1: Yes. See I told you?
2: I um, to it is not right. Amish Paradise.
1: <laughs> <laughs> yeah, fantastic not, song. Not huh? to
0: take away from that, because that's brilliant. But
1: I'm going to guess you're going to go with four so. here, Jeremy, for the win.
2: Um, Yeah, might as well. Come on, Paul. Okay. Let's not let him do that. I know.
1: <laughs> okay. Again, you can buzz in anytime. time. Which TV show theme song had the following opening line? It's a rare condition in this day and age to read any good news on the newspaper page.
2: I have an idea, but I don't think that's I don't think that's right. In the nineties? Yep. I'll take it. Go for it. Was it Murphy Brown?
0: No. Damn. And that means oh. it takes away both of his previous answers. You're back to zero, punk.
1: <laughs> You're out of the game. <laughs> Single elimination. Um, can I
2: keep guessing, or am I out for this one?
1: Uh, you can when it comes back around to you. If if they don't get it, then I'll I'll throw Oops, a hint okay, out. I got it. Go ahead.
4: It, he cheated. Yes, I did. No. <laughs> yeah. I was thinking, I'm like, wait a minute, what is it? Is it uh shoot, what's his name? Urkel. Uh family matters?
1: Yep. Cool. Oh, there you all go. Right. Paul for the block.
4: <laughs> all right.
1: Okay. For those playing at home, the middle row is all gone. Um Paul? Mm-hmm. You got the board.
4: Well. I think I'm going to go with lucky number seven.
1: Okay. What is the next line uh, in this song? In West Philadelphia, born and raised.
2: Oh, my gosh. I can't believe I can't think of that.
1: I got it. Go ahead, Jeremy.
2: The playground's where I spent most of my days.
1: Yes. (laughs) There's a lot of Jeremy and Paul on this board, Steve. (laughs) I didn't watch, did
0: I watch any TV in the 90s because um, if you were... Well, never mind. He was in college.
1: You are in college, yeah.
0: No, no, Fair no. Time. This was beyond that. But uh, that whole period when I first got together with your sister, yeah. I watched almost nothing. It was really weird. I don't know. I don't want to hear about each this. other. I have a hole yeah. in my life.
1: We, we did real things. I don't yeah. know. Somebody mute Steve. Okay. <laughs> <laughs> uh. All <laughs> right. My Jeremy, man. you got the board again. I got to go for three. Well, of course. Okay. What was the name of Ross's pet monkey and friends?
2: Son oh, of a... I knew that. It. Man, <sighs> it's something stupid. It is. This is where I need Fane, because Fane loves that show. No kidding. Damn my it.
0: daughter's watched it all the way through a couple of times.
2: she has got, like, got, like, two Friends t-shirts. It's crazy. <laughs> is,
4: it, um, is it Monroe? No.
1: No.
3: Damn.
1: Yeah. My favorite Placy. part is all the dead air this creates. I like to Lindsay's
4: phone my wife. He's
2: like waving at me and I'm like, I can't cheat. <laughs> uh,
1: at this point you can. <sighs> well, I can, if you guys are completely dead, I can give you a guess. Yeah. I guess. Yeah, okay. I Paul was close because it does start with an M. If that helps anybody.
2: Oh, man. Damn it. I know. Like, I know it's in here, but I yeah. I can't. I just can't in find it. it.
1: It's fairly French sounding,
2: not
4: Montrose. Uh, so um, Dammit, Maurice. I know
1: it's. Uh, here's the first part of it, Mar. Oh, Marcel.
4: Marcel yes, Oops, Steve got lost that. my audio. Steve, Steve got it? that. One. It's Marcel. Steve got it. Okay,
1: Steve got it.
3: Mm. Okay. Yeah.
0: Well, you had to walk me to the door. <laughs>
1: That's okay. I feel, I feel bad. Um,
0: Here, I got you a cane. <laughs>
1: All right, Steve, board is worse. Number.
0: Let's go with the uh, lucky number one.
1: Okay. In what year did Princess Diana die following a car crash?
0: That
4: was, bing, 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 that was 96? So
1: close. 1997. Yes.
4: Okay. Okay. It, it, it was a blur what number because... Was that?
1: That was Those like one. one. One, that was
4: a, it was a blur because I worked at Sam Goody in '96 and '97, and I sold a ton
0: of Candle in the Wind. On oh, yeah. oh, yeah!
3: <laughs> oh, yeah! We
2: sold yeah. a ton of that over at Farmore, too. I'm sure you did. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. And
0: I got married in '96, and we watched the whole thing after we were married, so I knew it was '96. So you started watching wow. TV once you got married, <laughs> <laughs> Nick, got yeah, exactly. It. Yep.
3: No, I'm, all right.
0: Anyway, let's <laughs> <this> go <laughs> number two. I'm going for the win.
1: Number two, this could be yeah. Steve's comeback. The underdog's right. coming back. Number two, everything I do, I do for you was featured on what soundtrack?
2: Oh, sure. oh I so got awesome. it. Yep. yep. Uh, it's uh, Robin Hood, Prince of Thieves. Yes. <clears throat> Damn, Mundy. I know. I
4: was going to say Three Musketeers, but I knew it was that era.
1: Jen guest Bodyguard. <laughs> 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 it did kind of have that feel. Same <laughs>
4: actor. Yep.
1: Yeah, right. <laughs> All right. Well, Jeremy, a- a for the
2: win, we'll call okay. that Costner's Peak. <laughs>
1: um, which was the last Harry Potter book to be released in the 90s? Uh,
2: uh, I gotta guess. Go ahead,
1: Prisoner of Azkaban. That is correct for the win.
2: Damn, I thought that was in
1: 2000. <laughs> <laughs> yes. And the final question was which is not a beanie baby, <laughs> Patty the Platypus? Chocolate the Moose, Legs the Frog, Happy the Hippo.
2: Happy the Hippo.
1: That is correct.
0: (laughs) And Chocolate the Moose is so racist, I can't even believe it.
1: (laughs) (laughs) Yeah. Well, it's not currently a Beanie Baby, I don't think. That reminds me
0: of, uh, remember Top Secret, maybe? Yes. The uh, the French guy was Chocolate (laughs) Moose.
1: Chocolate Moose, yep. Would that be Um,
2: racist or specious? (laughs) There you go. (laughs) Both. Both.
1: Both. good job, Monday. Yeah, yeah well, uh, thank you. Thank you. The winner of our, our first uh wanderings and we'll gather in tic tac toe.
0: F you, Monday.
4: <laughs>
2: <laughs> uh, I love it.
0: I'm gonna start inviting him to the show after the challenge is over. <laughs> yeah. yeah, yeah, and then he can come Fair? on and start talking.
2: Yeah,
4: the crowd goes wild for Monday's victory here. No, they don't. <laughs> <laughs>
0: was that a Wilhelm scream? It what? <laughs> yes. Well, you it could work. ask that. I would have got that one. Tony, thanks. Sorry about that. That's all right. It's a good Excellent. band. Indeed. Good. So uh great challenge teabags. Next week. Thank you. The challenge will be brought to you by the one who left off the Lester Banks challenge this week, Mr. <laughs> Mundy. Apparently he was he was too busy preparing for the challenge. No. And uh teabags, <laughs> you have Lester
1: Banks next week. Okay, sounds good. Little, I was little, too busy
2: working on a bathroom remodel. One scope Mundy's bathroom. <laughs>
0: well, all right, gentlemen. I'm gonna let uh Mundy introduce this part because this was your idea and you were the one who found it. So get after it. Let's go.
2: Okay. Well, I mean, I touched on it earlier. It just uh Anthrax is, you know, I'm sure if we have any regular listeners, they're sick of hearing me talk about Anthrax because it's my favorite band. <laughs> but uh their album Persistence of Time came out in 1990 on August 21st so it's 30 years old cool just anniversary and then I saw Alison Chains facelift came out on the same day the exact same day and so did Jane's addictions uh Ritual de Lo habitual so I thought that was pretty awesome that all three of those came out on the exact same day 30 years ago so let's talk about them they're huge albums for all three
1: bands Absolutely.
4: Yeah, you know what's funny is, uh, I I got those pictures on Friday, and I was talking with my friends from the kind of nerdy group, and you know I said, "Hey, you guys want to feel old?" And you know, of course, what what you know, then Hmm. explained that those three albums were now thirty years old, and and uh, there was much groaning and groveling, and holy crap, that's been that long. (laughs) Yeah, (laughs) and uh, you know the reality set in for me too. Yes, it's been that long. Yeah. Those albums were were the norm.
0: Let me ask you this before we really dig into them. <clears throat> now that there's a, a complete body of work that has come from each band after the fact, do you still hold those albums in the same regard as you did the, when they came out?
1: Two of them, yes.
0: Mm-hmm. I agree with that.
1: Yeah, I would say so. Okay. What about you? All right. No. Okay. <laughs>
0: Yes, but no. Something like that. Mm-hmm. So, Anyway, I guess we'll dig in and we'll figure out why we feel that way. Do we want to go um, alphabetical order? How do we want to do this?
2: That Well, that works,
3: yeah.
0: Alright, we'll start off then with Alice in Chains. Facelift.
3: Mm-hmm.
0: Um, I guess the first question would be where were you when you heard this? Not a specific mean... location necessarily, but in your life, where were you? What was going on?
2: Yeah, I mean, right. well... Paul and I were in, what, 90? So that would have been August of 90 would have been just going into eighth grade. Mm-hmm. That sounds right. So, yeah. Yeah. And we were little baby metalheads. So that <laughs> Allison Change Chains is definitely on our radar.
4: And I, I remember that summer seeing videos on Headbangers Ball for Man mm-hmm. in the Box. and. Oh, know, yeah. Getting to know that tune, and uh, it showed up on in one of my Columbia House batches. I had been detasseling corn that summer and made a little scratch, and that was that was one of those that made the list. And listened to it quite a bit.
1: Yeah, I I remember hearing it playing in Karma. I didn't know what it was, mm-hmm. and I got it. And then I I was working for a roofing company on the so on the weekends when I would do that. That's what we'd listen to, and it was. Man, it was like something I don't remember hearing anything like that at the time. It felt pretty special,
2: oh yeah, yeah they were when they came out, I mean, mm-hmm. they sounded different. That's one of the things that got my attention right away. yep,
0: yeah, I agree. One hundred percent. I heard it as I alluded to earlier, I would go give plasma, and every time I would walk back, mm-hmm. you cross discount den. there's a record store across the street, so it was impossible to make it back without finding an import or something that you just had to have and they were playing this and that's where i
1: first heard that one thing i loved was paul mentioned man in the box and you had those things that kind of came out up front but i remember really getting into like bleed the freak and love hate love Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. and some of those things that didn't get a lot of airplay it was just you started to see it was a really solid album beyond the single
2: That's, yeah, that's one thing I wrote down was that, I mean, this is one of those, this is up there for me with uh, Appetite for Destruction as just an outstanding uh, debut album. And it's good from top to bottom. There's not a bad song on it. It's just so good. Yeah. That's a
1: great point. Yeah.
2: And it's interesting too, because of course, you know, they're part of the whole Seattle movement and
4: there's, there's kind of a blend or crossover, if you will, too, because some of the riffs have, Kind of the bluesy vibe going on kind of like what hair metal bands would employ but not to that degree it still had like the bluesy licks and and some of those grooves and the shuffles but at the end of the day it still had that grunge vibe it was dirtier in in a good way and it was more raw Mm
3: -hmm.
2: that guitar tone man cantrell's Mm -hmm. guitar tone was kind of different for the time and Mm -hmm. yeah that's i think you're talking about the riffs like you kind of heard, like those riffs and grooves, different places, but mixed with that tone and put together, piece together how they did with the other instruments. It was, I mean, it was just different. And the two singers, that was huge, huge at the time, because then no one else was doing that really to yeah. the to the level that these guys were.
4: Yeah, yeah, and plus Lane's voice. One one thing I was going to mm. say probably a little later on, but I'll I'll recap later and, and justify it, but. Jerry Cantrell was the guy that made me realize that using the neck pick of a a guitar could actually sound worth a damn. Because I always struggled with getting a good sound out of it. And then when I heard him do the second half of the lead on Man of the Box, I was like, oh, so that's what that's for. Okay. (laughs) You know, it just had a different level of stank to it that uh, I I was finally feeling.
0: That's cool. I feel like they sort of led, and I know we've got Mother Love Bone in the same year and all that, but kind of almost... We're like the leaders, first ones out of the box, so to speak, in this yeah. movement. But I think somebody alluded to this earlier, it was so different. But I think the cool thing about this time period is that all these bands that followed had these dynamic singers that all sounded different. All the yeah. bands completely sounded different, even though they fit into this kind of genre of the Seattle sound or whatever it was. Uh, but it was so cool with Alice in Chains and Pearl Jam and Nirvana and Soundgarden. They all couldn't sound any different. But man, like you guys said, the dirtiness and the grunginess of the music, but then these amazing singers that came out of this movement, just incredible. And Lane is, it's just so sad that he left. And I know they've gone on and they've done good work, and I just haven't been able to get behind the new singer. And I know he's good. He sounds good. I just, for me, it's not the same. And I just haven't been able to really latch onto it. I don't know what it is, but I just haven't been able to yeah you, know, you, get attached, you
4: get you get attached to the legacy of it you know what i mean you you invested mm-hmm. in the original lineup and of course it's beyond anybody's control now but they want to mm-hmm. carry on and at the end of the day it's like yeah it's nice to see you but you know sometimes it's just hard to fully embrace it i i get it i i really enjoyed the last uh album for sure but you know i had to i had to go in with that expectation this is not lane he's not here anymore so yeah uh, it was bittersweet but i still
1: enjoyed it yeah that when you're talking about legacy too, and we're talking about the timing, it is hard to remember this, you know, thirty years later, like where it all kind of fit on the timeline that they weren't just a follow up band to the big names that came out, you know. Like they were trailblazing. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. And um but I think it's easy to get lost in the record sales and who gets pegged as the you know, best in Grunge Air and all that kind of stuff. But, you know, they were they were in the forefront for sure. And I agree with Paul too that you have to go into it expecting that at this point. They, of course, they're going to move on as artists, but, mm-hmm. um, but yeah, yeah. Every, I think everybody just wishes nothing against you know Robert, but it's like, yeah, if Lane was still here, man, what would that be like?
2: Mm. It's William, you mean?
1: Oh, sorry, right, yeah. William Duvall. Yeah. yeah, yeah, sorry. Yeah, and I am
2: firmly in the camp of loving him. I, I the stuff they've done with him, I think is great. I mean and you know it's it's different it is but it still sounds like Allison Chains to me because of I mean Cantrell wrote practically everything so yeah <clears throat> I mean it, there's so much of that came from him that it still sounds like Allison Chains to me mm-hmm. and it just you know a little different but I I don't I, I don't love when I hear him saying the older stuff I mean, I don't hate mm-hmm. it, right? but it's right. just different enough that I, I notice it like it pulls me out of it. Yeah. But the stuff, the new music that they have made, I love. It's fantastic.
4: Yeah. And if you want to hear William, if you want to give him a chance outside of that, he has a, a solo
2: acoustic album as
4: well. That's pretty solid. Did I have, have a, a
2: I have one little thing I got <clears> to <throat> see. I don't know, Paul. I don't know if you even re- would remember this or not. But back in the ring finger days mm-hmm. when we used to uh, practice at the trailer park office, <laughs>
3: mm-hmm.
2: I was not in the band by this time. You guys had Juan singing for you, mm-hmm. um, but we used to play. It ain't like that. And yep. Wa- Juan and I would sing that together. Yep. I do not know if you remember that or not, but yep. I love doing that. It was kind of cool because that song specifically is there's a lot of really cool parts where Lane and Jerry are singing together and I don't I it that's one of the few times where I actually hopped back up on the mic and I was singing that with Juan that was a lot of fun
4: yep I would do that with them too like I would do the harmony parts and I would also do uh we die young with we would do mm-hmm. that quite a bit as well we back when we in order to get a gig you had to do four hours of covers mixed with a couple of yeah. original <laughs> sprinkled in here and there, um, Alice in Chains got quite a bit of airplay from us.
3: Yeah.
0: The reason I asked that question earlier about does it have the same place in your heart now, I, I just think, you know, we have so many albums, you know, we've got 30 years and we're doing this show and so we're like listening to new music every week and everything. So if I go back and listen to Allison Chains, I automatically go to Dirt, or I go to Jar of Flies. I don't go to Facelift. That was why I asked that mm-hmm. question earlier. I loved the record when it came out. I still love it, but with limited time and limited listens, mm-hmm. that's not the one I go to. And that's why I asked that question earlier, just to you know. But yeah. it
2: is record. Facelift is definitely where I start. That that if I am like hmm, I'm going to listen to Alice in Chains, I would probably listen to Facelift first. Okay, Paul, what yeah. about you?
4: this is the first time i've revisited it in a long time um i've gone back to dirt a few times since you know basically before having this conversation but um and it wasn't because i felt like dirt was better i mean i think dirt's really an evolution for them too just the the trippy production the the vocals and just the killer riffs. But at the end of the day, I mean, this, this still holds near and dear to my heart for a lot of reasons. As I was learning to play guitar, there was a lot of opportunity for me to try new things from this album for sure. And then dirt just uh, took that and ran with it. And I think dirt was tuned a little lower too. So I remember that was a little bit of an inconvenience because I had a locking tremolo system and I couldn't just (laughs) switch the strings down just a little bit. I had to recalibrate just to, to get into it. What
0: about you T-Bags?
1: Yeah, I, I mean, um, Facelift is definitely like a go-to album for me. Still, I mean, I in the I Dirt, I would say in my head they're they're equivalent as far as like rankings for me. But Dirt was, you know, really well produced, and um, you know, you could tell it was like okay, they got signed, and it wasn't a bad thing. It was just different. And um, Facelift has that raw grittiness, mm-hmm. and it you know, and it is like one of those things where it was just a special band that popped out and that's the album that i associate with it but you know for me like i even prior to doing this challenge like bleed the freak is on my playlist mm-hmm. you know it, <laughs> quite yeah. often yeah so um yeah I, I this one has like lost nothing for me as a matter of fact probably has become more nostalgic and even added a layer for me cool
2: Do you guys uh you guys have any like key tracks that tony you've mentioned a few and mm-hmm. i know i wrote down some yeah, yeah, Bleed the Freak ahead.
0: is definitely my favorite on on the record. I mean, Man in the Box is amazing. And that's the one that everybody, if you don't know Alice Change, you know that song, obviously. But Bleed the Freak is mm-hmm. by far my favorite song on the record.
3: Mm-hmm.
4: I I mean I, I certainly love Sea of Sorrow. I, I really mm-hmm. enjoyed mm-hmm. Love Hate Love as well. Um just yeah, that's that's a whole new vibe for me back then as well. And um and of course pretty much tracks one through seven were were like the strong i mean it it started off real strong and and just Mm -hmm. stayed for me
0: there's definitely not a song where i go i don't want to hear this yeah you know what i mean there just isn't a clunker on the on the album and for a debut album not to have a clunker wow Mm -hmm. that's that's impressive
2: top to bottom that's uh yeah and i love uh we die young like it starts off real strong Mm -hmm. with that every time i hear that at the beginning i'm like here we go and uh sea of sorrow i love it ain't like that of course a special place in my heart um i know something about you i love that song it's got that little funk flavor Mm -hmm. real fun and the last track man real thing is just crazy yeah so good so good such great grooves
1: (laughs) yeah I if you guys uh I'll have to send the link, but there's a really good live version of Love Hate Love. It's black and white. You guys might have seen it. Um but Lane is just lean, I mean, literally leaning into the microphone stand on his tiptoes screaming and nice. uh, hit yeah, hitting everything perfectly. it's it's really cool to see. Awesome.
4: awesome. Yeah, and nice. you know, with, with those albums too. I mean, we were young, we had youthful energy. That album had youthful energy as well. And I think that that's something I definitely hang on to quite a bit is, man, I would love to go back 30 years and feel as vibrant as I did back then.
3: (laughs) (laughs) Yep.
2: (laughs) I I remember listening to this in the car and I believe I had uh, our friend, uh, well, he was friend and band member, uh, Todd. I had him in the car with me and real thing was playing. And it's such a killer, killer song. And then at the end, Lane does that sexual chocolate, baby.
3: <laughs>
2: Todd Todd was like, oh, why does he do that? He ruins a perfectly good song with that stupid stuff he's saying.
0: <laughs>
1: yeah, it's pretty funny. Yeah. All right.
0: Well, I think we exhausted that. I think we all love that record. And we have memories of that. That's fantastic. And if we are moving through the alphabet, that moves us to Mr. Mundy's all-time favorite. Yep. I'm going to let you Mm -hmm. lead us off, because this is your baby.
2: Well, uh, this is pretty much where I came in on Anthrax. This is like 7th, 8th grade was where I kind of, Paul and I both really started getting into heavier stuff. Um, Like, I think he, Paul, you were already like into Maiden and that stuff from your brother, right? Mm -hmm.
4: yeah, yeah. I had a little bit of history with anthrax prior to this as well. I'll explain it a bit. Yeah,
2: But, uh, I mean, this is kind of where I fell in love with this band. And I mean, this, this album is again, I, there's not a song on it that I don't love. Um, unfortunately it's not their debut album, so I can't put it up there, but, um, but yeah, uh, it's, it's your
0: debut. Yeah, them.
2: I guess, but, <laughs> um, yeah i i just there's so much i could say about this that say but, it uh it's just you know it opens it's called persistence of time it opens with the ticking clock and mm-hmm. it just man just killer from there on
0: the opening track is amazing and the ticking clock yeah. just absolutely kicks it off it's so good yeah so, mm-hmm. so jeremy before we we all talk about it what is it about anthrax that you just absolutely love
2: i uh, m- more than anything i think it's the riffs mm-hmm. it really comes down to the riffs and the grooves um which some people don't know people that really know the band know this but some people that aren't super into them don't but the drummer charlie benante mm-hmm. he also writes a lot of the riffs he's a amazing guitar player (laughs) Mm -hmm. and he writes a lot of the riffs Uh, so between him him and scott uh they come up with all the grooves and you know scott is probably in my top two rhythm players him and hetfield are just neck and neck and it depending on which day you catch me is which one i'm gonna like more but um, they have that wrist, just that that thrash wrist that's just so fast and so uh accurate.
3: Yeah. And
2: yeah, it's real their playing is real clean, like even as fast as it is, it's never muddy. And and also Anthrax, they have something that I don't even know what to call it. They have something <laughs> that I feel like no other band does, but in a lot of their riffs, they have this weird bounce. They have like the rhythm of the riff. And if you listen to it, it's almost bouncy. Mm-hmm. And I don't know what that is. I'm sure that's some kind of technique or something, but I don't know what the technical term for that is. But I love it.
0: Does it's- that come from the bass?
2: No. It's the, it, it's the riffs. Yeah, it's the accents and the
4: riffs. Like when like okay. they, they do a lot of palm muting, they'll open it up here and there. It's like, do, do, wah, 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 you know, kind of stuff. Mm-hmm. So the guitar is really expressive in that regard, even though they're still hammering on the same power chord. But, uh, you know, it's it's mosh friendly. I call it kind of a stomp. You know what I mean? Mm-hmm. It definitely makes you want to, you know, jump up and down and that kind of stuff. Well, not anymore. My back hurts. But <laughs> nonetheless, it, it gives you that that vibe that you just want to really react to it. And, you know, it's fun to s- especially hear it live, you know, with the yes. sound system blazing and, and that stomp factor in effect.
2: Am I wrong, yeah. though? Like, there's really nobody else that does that or at no. least does it to that level.
4: No, no. I, I think you're right for sure. I mean, they have they have their own way of kind of having a signature groove. Slayer has their thing. Metallica has their thing. You know what I mean? So the, the big four all have, much like we we're talking about the grunge movement, they all have their own varying contrasting forms even though they are they kind of fit into that same pocket of of an era of music
2: yeah i don't know technical terms i just say anthrax has the bounce, like metallica's got the chug (laughs) lots of thrash bands use the gallop (laughs) (laughs) yeah slayer has the evil notes
0: (laughs) we're gonna have to make show notes and put these out
3: yeah (laughs) I yeah, remember, Jeremy,
0: I'm going to be totally on point with here with Benante. He is so good, and if you're oh, saying he's a great guitarist, but he's a fantastic drummer. Yes, uh, and it really shines. And I loved, like I said, the way that the album starts, and then the second song really hits a killer groove with the guitar. Yeah. Blood. Oh my gosh, yeah. that's so good. So, and I cut you off, Tony. Go ahead.
1: No, I was just going to say, I, what was interesting for me was, I I was really into skateboarding and. I listened to Anthrax a ton prior to really starting to listen to this album. Like I didn't know I was listening to Anthrax, you know, just people had a boom box by the ramps and you know, whatever was playing. Um, but then when I started really kind of like dig music and, you know, got my license and what was I listening to in my car, Anthrax became one of those and this album became one of those for me too. And I believe you guys could you guys probably went. You can tell me if this is correct, but I think Anthrax played as part of like a tour in uh, Deer Creek.
2: Oh, I got, that was my first concert. It was Was the summer of 91. Mm -hmm. It was the clash of the Titans tour. That's right. Mm -hmm. And it was a free show quote unquote free because at that time at Deer Creek, they had the fair. So Mm -hmm. all you had to do was pay fair admission, which was like six bucks free concert. Mm -hmm. So Mm -hmm. I saw Alice in Chains, Anthrax, Mm -hmm. Megadeth and Slayer in that. Wow. Yeah. That's For six bucks. I was going to say and chain. I was waiting until we started talking about this cause I was going to talk about this show. Allison chains opened. No one knew who they were. The only mm-hmm. song anyone knew was man in the box. Mm-hmm. Yep. And so, yeah. And then, so, and then anthrax came on and they had, you know, you look at the cover of the persistence of time. They have that clock. They had a giant clock with arms that actually spun around it. That was like their big set piece. And then Megadeth, uh, this was, uh, rest, rest, rest in peace time. Right. So, Mm -hmm. um, and then Slayer was coming off of seasons in the abyss also came out in 90. So huge. It was unbelievable. I was 15. So that was a great show. I
1: went to that one. Uh, Slayer did make me, or the Slayer fans at least made me exit the pit during theirs because uh, <laughs> someone lit a blanket on fire and threw it on top of the <laughs> on top of the pit. Yeah, wow. I mean it's way more like, uh, kind of like a fisherman's tale in my head. You know, I think it just <laughs> probably like floated in the air and fell to the ground when they stomped it out. But to me, <laughs> it was an act of terrorism.
0: <laughs> <laughs> that story it sells better. Stay with yeah, it exactly. Yeah. But
1: Anthrax. <laughs> uh, that's when I really started listening to them. And then I saw them. And like Jeremy said, it was like a cheap show and uh, I was I was sold, you know, and I started to become an anthrax fan, not just like it wasn't just background noise, but yeah, this, this album still all the way through is fantastic.
4: Very yeah. cool. I, uh, <clears throat> I had a little bit of prehistory with them. Um, in fifth grade, there was a kid, I can't remember his name now. It was one of those kids that was in, in fifth grade year and then gone the next, he wasn't there very long. And, uh, Nice guy. Uh, I remember he had a, a killer mullet for a fifth grader and <laughs> he let me borrow State of Euphoria. And uh, no, what was the State of, no, I'm sorry, take that back. Um, State of Euphoria* came later, but no, it was um, spreading the disease. And you okay over there, Foggy?
1: <laughs> yeah, I know. What's going on there? <laughs> well, and
0: I, I, I thought I, I hid my first. microphone so nobody would see me blowing out the candle
4: oh okay <laughs>
0: got it oh, I, I, thought,
4: I thought maybe there was a commode and you were spraying you know some wick <laughs> yeah <in there. laughs>
0: hey now you're gonna make me edit the show thanks a lot jpp
3: <laughs>
0: <laughs> Costing me hours no keep it in it's good stuff people will love
4: it. <laughs> no so yeah sorry my, I, I misspoke it was spreading the disease <clears throat> and uh was like wow that's killer and then you know shortly after that i got to hear um you know metallica and megadeth the thing is is when i heard metallica and megadeth at that time like especially megadeth's p cells scared the daylights out of me i mean i'd heard anthrax but it was more of a light contrast to them because things were not as intense you know they definitely had the lighter side of thrash going on which was cool they had the you know the jams the bright clothes and the skateboarding and that kind of thing so peace
2: cells is uh pieces i is kind of mean
4: yeah it is it 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 feels mean yeah exactly so for you know a fifth sixth grader that was certainly a vernacular i wasn't accustomed to yet but you know nonetheless so then you know i heard state of euphoria loved it as well and then of course when persistence of time came out i was completely excited for it i remember going to disc jockey and buying that with my allowance money Uh, actually scratch that i went and uh saved some of my lunch money and didn't eat for a few days and uh got a couple extra <laughs> bucks so I could afford the full <laughs> CD of it and um cover to cover loved it. Uh and this album it was really cool because I, I really enjoyed the artwork where they had their heads kind of floating in space and they look like constellations and stuff. And uh the whole package was great. And I listened to this album again over the weekend just to revisit it and and kind of remember those feels and see how I feel about it now. And one thing now that i kind of noticed and i don't know if it was intentional or not but it, the bass tone has a glass bite to it it's got a little bit of a brightness so frank really stands
2: yeah i was going to mention the bass too before we stop talking about it. that's one thing i've always loved about anthrax is they always have frankie like right out in front Man, mm-hmm. his yeah. tone is unmistakable and it's right in your face and i love they don't bury the bass it's right out in front
4: yeah and and to that you know after hearing like state of euphoria especially this album's a little darker you know what i mean it just Mm -hmm. has a darker feel even and where the bass is bright it kind of helps with that whole theme of time to me it almost sounds mechanical like a clock ticking in a lot of ways so it almost plays that metaphor again i don't know if that was intentional or not but it definitely helps sell that message to me when i first bought the album
2: so would you say they got the time yeah, indeed, they did. It, <laughs> yeah. It's got to be. That's right. That's up there with one of my favorite covers of all time. I love it. Mm-hmm. Well,
4: I remember you always going crazy over just Frankie playing that finger style the whole time, too. Oh, yeah. Yep. So <laughs> yeah. Um, I'm trying to think. I mean, things that uh, stood out, were, <clears throat> you know, like you said, the fast riffs, you know what I mean, and uh, <clears throat> discharge. <laughs> Holy crap. I could never... <clears throat> get that tempo down i could get the riff down but i couldn't get it up to speed um i certainly love belly of the beast keeping in the family is one of my favorites as well mm-hmm. that's that's kind of like thing that should not be where it's just got that grind you know it's slow mm-hmm. and just uh, and uh just yeah so fun
2: uh blood we we mentioned blood earlier that yeah. was always one of my favorites uh, in my world i love that song i love the lyrics of that song and joey's singing on that song is one of my favorites from him uh, i agree got, with you on that monday yeah
0: i love the lyrics on that one
2: yeah um got the time uh i've always loved that song i'm i i love bass i just love i, I i've always loved the sound of bass guitar and frankie i mean He's one of the best, and uh, hate red. I love that one too. Mm-hmm. Sorry, dropped my pen. And I
0: love. Well, I'm going to call myself out a little bit here yeah. because in 1990, I didn't listen to this record. <laughs> in 1990, because now, honestly, it was when they teamed up with Public Enemy because mm-hmm. I was a huge Public Enemy fan, and then when they did that, that's when I went back. And listen to this one and then listen from that point forward. But 1990, I didn't listen to it. I was aware of it, but nice. it just didn't catch me. But it's just a, kind of one of those things where you have to be in the right place at the right time and get caught. Yeah. And right. it was with Public Enemy. And that's when my time with Anthrax started. For sure. You're
1: too busy fooling around with my sister.
0: <laughs> um, at that point, <laughs> uh, we she was at Ball State, I was at IU. Yeah, okay. It's only um, on weekends. <laughs> and by the way, I never said that. And I wasn't even, like, trying to make it sound like that was what we were doing. We were probably gardening or something. You, mm-hmm. you guys are disgusting. Gardening, I, I'm, I may not you even do this show anymore. <laughs> I'm going to play this show because she knows I'm sincere and sweet. <laughs> Be right back. Steve's garden uh, trimming the hedges. Oh, no. <laughs> but uh, but see, see what you did, Tony? Yeah, I know. <laughs> all right, Monday, so in since this is your band in the context of all records where do you place this record for them
2: um as a whole like as one unit this one's up there it really is um i don't i don't know i i don't know where i would rank it i really i don't do that a ton with you know what i what i like i like what i like i don't i i try i don't do the whole comparison thing i don't like to do that But it's definitely up there, and then of course after this, they went with John Bush as a singer for a long time, and I love all that stuff too. So, gotcha.
4: Yeah, it's it's one that certainly stands up there as well. I mean, because again, aside from the Public Enemy Killer Bees EP, this was their the last full fledged outing. Um, And what's funny is I was going to say too that I got. Damn it. I'm having, guys, we're old. We're talking about albums from 30 years ago and I'm trying to remember things after, you know, a long day. Uh, gosh, what what's the album they toured with? They did the whole set of, uh, we saw. um
2: Among the Living.
4: Among the Living. Thank you. Good Lord. I will be uh taking some memory vitamins here in a little bit. Uh, yes. I got that after this album. So, you know, it was kind of reverse chron- chronology for me in that regard i didn't know it existed i found it at kmart in a cassette bin for three bucks so yes i'll take <laughs> it but uh you know still just absolutely solid i love persistence of time more than i did among the living and uh you know i don't think scott Ian was as big of a fan of this album as he was among the living but you know from what he was going on through in life and everything but nonetheless you know once they transitioned to to john bush i mean it was a little bit of a shock at first but Okay, let's let's go with this ride. And they were a lot of fun to see live with that era. And uh uh, you know, if I could go back and see it again, I certainly would because it was a damn good time.
2: <laughs> yeah, I um, you know, you talk about where this album stands all time. You know it's great because it was nominated for a Grammy in nineteen ninety one. And you know, the Grammys are of course the be all end all of everything. Mm. Music it's the food. measure. It's mm, right, <laughs> but they got beat by Jethro Tull. Oh wait,
0: <laughs> no, 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 no! Sorry, 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 wrong band.
3: <laughs>
0: All right, any last comments about Anthrax before we move on?
2: Not really. I mean, this is it's this is kind of where the love affair started for me, and I quickly went back and then moved forward with them until present day. So.
4: And listeners, you may have heard us mention this a few times amidst the quarantine era, but uh, check out Charlie Benante's channel on YouTube, yes. Instagram. He's grabbing yes. friends, Scott and Dan Loker, and other musicians as well, and doing some raw really Diaz.
2: Awesome, yeah. Bass yeah. player from Suicidals. Right been on. A ton of them with him.
4: And his girlfriend is also doing, they did that Massive Attack cover, which was yep. awesome. Yeah. Awesome. Charlie, Charlie plays piano too, for that matter. So, yep not just uh, guitar and, and drums. And it's incredible. It's well-produced. It sounds awesome. And it's done out of everybody's respective homes.
2: Steve just likes the Rush covers.
3: <laughs>
2: <laughs>
0: I'm
3: not gonna
2: that I love them
0: because I did. <clears throat> no, that dude's crazy talented. He really is. I mean, I didn't realize he did all the other things that he does. I thought he was just a drummer and he's a sick mm-hmm. drummer, you know? so
3: yeah yeah
2: did you guys all see did you guys all look at that Facebook link I sent from Kuma's Corner yes I get a chance to. yeah I did so okay so Charlie lives in Chicago
3: mm-hmm.
2: and Kuma's Corner is like we have one here in Indianapolis in Fountain Square but the original Kuma's Corner is in Chicago it's a great restaurant it's like a metal themed burger joint they do crazy crazy sandwiches it's so good But um, they had, they gave out. I should have wrote down. I don't remember what the award was called, but like the Golden Burger or something like that. The Golden
0: Kuma, wasn't it?
2: Something like that. But um, it was the first one ever, and they presented it to Charlie on August twenty first for. It's like a. Uh, kind of almost like a lifetime achievement award, like outstanding contributions to metal, that kind of thing.
0: The Golden Kuma Burger.
2: There you go. And uh, so that was pretty cool. So he he went to Kuma's Corner in Chicago and like got the award and all of that is pretty awesome. Nice. <laughs> I'm looking at pictures right now, and I like what was
0: the. the uh, we we saw Ghost last year, and they had a Ghost Burger, didn't they? When we saw them. Yes, it had a communion wafer on it. <laughs> <laughs> That's what it was. Yeah. Yeah, that was insane.
2: That's yeah. incredible.
0: <laughs> that is one hip restaurant. Their <laughs> so. sandwiches
2: are, you can't eat them as sandwiches. I, they're just stacked and stacked, and its they're awesome. Now, I eat. <laughs>
0: now everybody's hungry. Okay. Mm-hmm. Sorry, yeah. folks. We're not getting into Jane's addiction. Goodbye now. <laughs> <laughs> All right, let's talk about Jane's, because they had their second full-length. They had an album in 87 called Kettle Whistle, I guess, like an EP. They had some songs out on it. But uh, second full-length album, Ritual de la Habitual, 1990. What y'all think?
2: The first thing I remember about this is the album cover, Mm -hmm. because at the time... This was around the time the PMRC, the Parents Music Mm. Resource Center, was in full effect. And, man, they threw the hammer down on that cover just as quick as you could blink. And they put the sticker on it, the parental advisory sticker. So Jane's Addiction, what they did, I mean, the cover is artwork. It's like a painting, and it has Mm. nudity on it. Mm -hmm. And, uh, you know, oh my God, we can't see female body parts ever. So, uh, what they did was they released a censored version where the cover was all white and it had the title on it and it had the little parental advisory sticker in the corner, but under the title, it had the text of the first amendment. Yep. So I thought that was pretty, pretty clever alternative.
1: Yeah. I, I liked the album. Um, it uh, coming off of nothing shocking though. Um, this is the only album out of the three when we were talking at the beginning. I think Jeremy said that two of them held up for him. Um, and I love Jane's Addiction, but this is the one that didn't hold up as much. I loved it, I held it in high regards then, but I've since gone back and listened to it. And I think it was just more of the time for me that I enjoyed it. And it didn't maybe I just didn't have as many memories tied to it, maybe it didn't have the same uh. Strength that the other two artists did, (laughs) as far as writing goes, and I love Perry Farrell. I mean, I think he's a brilliant artist. And but yeah, for for me, it was like kind of fun and all that, but nothing shocking holds up way better for me. Mm -hmm. So
4: yeah, I I really kind of they I slept on them honestly at the time. I wasn't too into them. I never really sought them out, and I went back and listened to them a while. A while back, actually, I think before we left for, um, I don't know, Monday, I don't know if you were at the show or not, but I, I went with another friend of ours. It was supposed to be 90s Nails Farewell Tour, and, and Jane's Addiction was one of the opening acts. It
2: was the uh, Ninja Tour. Ninja Tour, yes. that's yep. Yeah, and, I
4: was there. Okay. I couldn't remember them
2: is Nine Inch Nails, Jane's Addiction, Street Sweeper, Social Club. Yep.
4: Yep. So that it was Tom Murillo's other project. Yep. And so I wanted to kind of get caught up just so I could know what I was listening to as well. The funniest mm-hmm. part about that show was this guy came up and he's like, Hey, you having fun? Well, stick around. Jane's Addiction's next. And then he walked away. And I was like, yeah, all right, you got your <laughs> radio time. Good job. And then uh, that was it. But, you know, nonetheless, it was funny because it's like, <clears throat> if, I heard a lot of Red Hot Chili Peppers back in the day, and then with Jane's Addiction, I kind of felt like they had that same vein going overall with the funk and that kind of thing and some of the psychedelia and that sort of thing. So I really wasn't gravitating toward that at the time. I was more into the just heavy power chords. I wanted low. I wanted brutal. I wanted energy. And so they just kind of fell to the wayside to me. But going back and listening and just kind of appreciating the musicianship, I, I certainly was taken aback and was like, wow, you know, this is some really solid performances on on these albums. And yeah. you know, Ritual is definitely one that had uh, a lot of tasty bass lines, great drummer, and Perry Perry's an interesting individual. I've heard him on podcasts and heard him speak, so it's cool to hear his perspective on things. And, you know, he's very eccentric and, and you know, he lives his truth. So there's no you know, denying that. I definitely respect him for that
2: yeah i'm kind of in the same boat like jane's Addiction is just kind of one of those bands that just passed me by like i i looking at this track list for this album i mean been caught stealing is the only song that i can look at the title and be like oh i know what that one sounds like and i mean there i've heard this and it's uh it's not bad i don't Hate James Addiction by any stretch of the imagination. It's just one of those bands I just never really gravitated to. So it's, you know, and I, I did see them at that show and mm. I was kind of bored <laughs> at that point. So <laughs> I was, I, I'm just not into them.
1: I was going to go to that show, but I didn't want to have to sit through Nine Inch Nails. So
2: yeah, <laughs> yeah right.
1: <laughs> no, I, I saw Paul there. I remember that. But um, yep. yeah, now. One thing, though, obviously and this this doesn't have to do with the album, but just him as an artist. Um, we did get Lollapalooza out of him, oh, out yeah. of his, br- <laughs> you know, of his brain, and he's got something new. Have you guys seen? Like, it's called Kind Heaven in Las Vegas. No, it's like an all senses. Um, I don't know. I have to send you an article on it, but it's it's supposed to be like a pretty like interactive spectacle thing that you can go to, and it's all all your senses and interactive. And uh, so he's still creating, but yeah, I like i said i'm not going to keep repeating it this this album just didn't uh live up to it all over time for me but i still love them so i still go back to uh, other songs by them
4: mm-hmm. and i remember seeing the video for been caught stealing several times a day like <laughs> you like, couldn't yeah. get away from it yeah exactly <laughs> you know we're, we're to the opposite with the alice and chains and anthrax at that time y- you were always waiting for those to pop up especially on headbangers ball it's like man is ricky going to play anthrax now or not
1: <laughs> yeah Steve, you haven't weighed in on this one much. Uh, Are
0: we talking about peripheral?
1: (laughs) Yeah, pretty much.
0: No. here. Well, okay. So I'm with you completely, Tony, because I was a senior in high school. And so at that time, it was weird. We were in this weird funk with music, and it was all Led Zeppelin and and Floyd and ACDC and The Doors and Rush. And that's all we listened to. It was like old stuff, you know, for the most part. And then... The Cure crept in, and and the Cult. This mm-hmm. album came out, and or not. I'm sorry, not this album, but nothing shocking came out at the beginning of my senior year in high school. This album for me was the game changer. This is where like it all really started to go in a different direction for me musically. Mm-hmm. So, uh, nothing shocking was one of my favorite albums of all time. It's probably a top five, ten album ocean size just kind of like slams you in the face mm-hmm. um and then they've got crazy horns on standing in the shower you've got these lazy rolling you know summertime rolls and then mountain song hits you again mountain jane says I oh.
2: yeah i it's- love that song that when he the riff is huge mm-hmm. and he comes yeah. in with the coming down i'm like uh, that's mm-hmm. goosebump shit right there but if but you listen I, to the whole I album, that. I just
0: yeah that follows a rolling summertime roll song where it's just you're just riding along the wave. Um, and then we've got another idiot's rule pop with you know, some horns and stuff. And then Jane says, of course, breaks down, and it's just a beautiful little song and Pigs and Zen. Oh, I mean, man, yeah. great rip, the whole thing. So that album, for me, is just one of my favorites, and it really was the game changer. And then this one comes out, and I feel a lot like Tony. We get a couple of radio friendly pop songs like Stop and Been Caught Stealing. Mm-hmm. The only thing that really holds me in this record is Three Days. Yep. And then she did. And it, you know, three days or you know, three days is like this bloated, rolling, <laughs> ambitious song that I kind of like. And it's, and it kind of feels like what mm-hmm. this felt like for me originally. So those are the only two songs that really hold me now, and I go back and listen to the rest of the album. Is kind of throwaway material for me. So again, that's one of the reasons I asked that question earlier, because at the time, Ben Stealing was fun. But if I'm going to listen to Jane's Addiction, I'm going back to nothing shocking all day long. And mm-hmm. I've seen them twice. They were amazing once and horrible the other time. <laughs> and it was all yeah. sound quality. It, the quality, well, I was with you, Tony. And he kept mm-hmm. messing with the, the vocals and the, the volume levels. And it just was off. It wasn't yeah, right. good, but the other time I saw him, it was just brilliant. So, kind of all over, I guess. Yeah, totally
1: on the same page there.
4: Yeah, and you know, Dave Navarro is certainly an incredible guitar player, and I can see why the Chili Peppers picked them. You know, I said kind of along the similar vein, but he definitely had that funk flavor. He had, you know, a lot mm-hmm. of quality to him, and and you know, he's certainly a veteran to the industry as well. So, I think he was a good choice for for the time that they had him. Um, mm-hmm. <clears throat> you know, you know, no, nonetheless. The chili peppers are enough to go on that tangent. Was that wasn't really my thing either. I I felt like I liked the way earlier stuff. And it's kind of like Jane's Addiction. Jane says, like you're saying, mountain song and that stuff. I mean, that's that there was that youthful energy again that we were talking about. And um, there's Mm -hmm. something to be said about that. And then one of two things either happens either they want to try something new because, right, we've hit this point, or the label gets in their ear. Hey, you know, you did good. Why don't Mm -hmm. you? uh, why don't you kind of keep going along that line there and, you know, do like four or five songs we need, you know, and they start trying to shape your (laughs) concept and then all hell breaks. Yeah. yeah.
2: Yeah, I would definitely not consider myself a James addiction fan. I mean, I, I've enjoyed most of what I've heard, but it's not something I, that really connects with me too much. But that said, nothing shocking has a lot more for me. Mm -hmm. personally.
1: Yeah. yeah well regardless it was 30 years ago was a great time for music right
4: man at the end of the day hell yeah um, and yeah. i mean we're still finding cool stuff don't get me wrong but mm-hmm. it's, it's just kind of harder for us these days and i think the biggest thing is there's just there's a lot out there and you know sometimes some of the stuff might not we might be fuddy-duddy a little bit but you know <laughs> there's still some fresh stuff that when it hits it hits hard
2: I did yeah. forget to mention something when we were talking about persistence of time. Um, I don't know if it's on Apple, but I when I was looking on Spotify earlier, I didn't know this was on there, but it is. They're, they are releasing the 30th anniversary edition, like a big one.
0: Yes. Big, mm-hmm.
2: big one. And But they have on Spotify, they have a uh, bonus tracks selection from yep. that. And if you have a chance, I would recommend checking that out. It's just, it's got a lot of, it's it's all, it's got like some live stuff. It has pre-production stuff like demos and it has, it has several songs where uh, Scott Ian is singing like a guide vocal. And mm. I it's I hesitate to even call it singing. He's kind of speaking a, a guide <laughs> vocal. But yeah. uh, it's interesting to go back and hear that stuff. It's pretty cool. A lot of demos and live stuff. Pretty awesome.
4: I had that playing when I was doing yard work today, so I'm sure the neighbors are like, what is he into? <laughs> <laughs>
0: yeah, I intentionally didn't listen to that uh when yeah. just reviewing it just because I wanted to hear what we heard back in the day oh, so yeah. I didn't pull yeah, that stuff yeah, yeah. up. But yeah, it's definitely there on Apple as well. So. Sweet. All right. Any last words on our three songs and honest to God, we could have done a show every week for the year 1990 because it was loaded. Yeah, yep. for sure. Um, well,
2: Look at some release dates, and if we don't have anything to do on a certain week, <laughs> look at 1990.
4: Well, yeah. I call dib, dibs in September because Rust in Peace <laughs> has an anniversary then, and uh, that's a landmark for me. I, I think it would be awesome okay. to cover that. Very uh, perfect. Do we want to, you know, we don't want to give ratings, but would you say there's any kind of, I mean, I know Monday's order, but would you guys have an order on, hmm. you know, Anthrax versus Alice in Chains versus Jane's Addiction where they fall for you?
3: uh
0: no. i'll go ahead and go my... first uh, we know <laughs> now this is interesting because if we were doing like nothing shocking that would be my number one however we are not so i would go anthrax one allison chains two james addiction three based on these
1: records yeah for me it's allison chains one anthrax two james addiction three yep
4: yeah, it's anthrax one for me uh it's it's Allison Chains 1.5 and, mm-hmm. and addiction three um, you know, like I said, Jerry Cantrell turned me onto that neck pickup and what you could do with it. And, you know, Scotty and made me really work on my rhythm intricacies. So
0: Monday metalhead.
2: Um, I mean, you guys, you guys already said my order twice. So uh, <laughs> I don't <laughs> know figure. what else I can say. Peg. Yeah. Gotcha.
0: All right. Well, fantastic. Uh, next week, we're going to be reviewing The Killer's new record, which came out, oddly enough, on August 21st, Imploding the Mirage. So uh, we'll be checking out that one next week. And uh, we got a couple of uh, challenges coming at you. Tony's got the uh, Lester Bangs. Jeremy's going to have the big challenge. And uh, gentlemen, where can we find you if anybody wants to check you
2: out on social media?
1: I am on the Wanderings and Gathering Facebook page. Monday. I'm, on,
2: I'm on Instagram at Metalhead Monday. You can find me,
4: JPP, at Instagram, Instagram, in, not Instacram, uh, mm-hmm. under Just Plain Paul. I'm also at the Wanderings and Wool Gathering Facebook page. And shameless plug time, I have a new single out on Spotify and iTunes called Basecamp. Yeah. You can listen there. Just look up Just Plain Paul, all one word, dash Basecamp. You'll be able to find it. And it's also a video on YouTube.
2: Very exciting. Yeah, cool. I can't wait can to review to it
0: for the webpage. <laughs> Oh, no kidding. Yeah, spoiler yeah. alert. I'm just kidding. All right, and Metalhead Monday has a new segment coming up on the com page. Do you want to fill us in on that?
2: Um, yeah, so I'm working on it. I'm trying to get a few in the bag before we start publishing them, but uh, I'm going to start doing a column called Versions. That's the title I'm working with right now. I don't know if it'll stay that or not, but it's kind of what I'm leaning towards. So basically what I'm doing is I'm taking any kind of alternate version of a song. We're talking about covers, remixes, re-records, live versions, acoustic versions, alternate takes, anything that is a different version of the original track. And so basically I, I would like to... I'm, I'm kind of thinking I'm going to be posting both versions and talking about mostly the alternate version, but touching on like kind of the history of the original and all that kind of stuff too.
0: That's cool. I love nice. that. Excellent. Hopefully that will be a weekly shot on the website. <laughs> We're and uh, that. <laughs> that website again is wanderings and woolgathering.com. Yeah. And I am at Foggy's Pal on Instagram and Twitter, and you can find the Wanderings and Wool Gathering podcast on SoundCloud, iTunes, Spotify, Castbox, Stitcher, and at Rock985.com. After you listen, don't forget to subscribe so you don't miss an episode. And don't forget, come back next week for the killers. And until then, we'll see you. Bye now.